welcome to In Between. Right now I'm in a gym, like in a fitness center kind of a thing and I uh, wanted to podcast about fitness centers like already for a very long time because also in my last visit in India I've been visiting one, I have a membership for like a month and sometimes I go. Somehow I like how the same institutions always have a certain cultural touch and when you go visit them in another culture. So, for example, uh, fitness centers in Delhi at least usually mean very loud Punjabi or Bollywood music. And in this particular fitness center, there's like a screen and people come and change the song all the time. So <laughs> there's not just music, it's not just there. And uh, there are a lot of free weights, there's a mirror, there are some mats to do some exercises on the ground. There are a lot of tumbles and... Uh, other weights and machines also and it's a very small place and uh, I don't get stared at a lot it's a very comfy vibe unlike other fitness centers I've seen but there are a few things I found interesting like for example the whole idea of everyone bringing a towel or disinfecting the machine after you've used it is not here at all <laughs> no one does that and uh, one thing I always found particularly interesting is uh, the thing where you get water because uh like at home you would expect uh, a big tank of water and there are some really throwaway cups like and everyone would use a cup and drink just from that or would bring his or her own bottle but here there's like a big water tank and there's like one glass which is attached to it and everyone drinks out of this and in the beginning I was like oh god how can that like why but uh, by now of course I know that in India a lot of people or it's very normal to not touch uh, your bottle or any glass with your lips so you would just more like pour the water into your mouth but you wouldn't touch it uh, again to not contaminate it basically and in that way many different people strangers can use the same glass because no one is going to actually touch it and that's uh, yeah very interesting so like these small things I just really like and uh, yeah the whole music and the whole vibe I always yeah, I found it interesting. Then I want to talk a bit about the fun of brainstorming with different people because at the moment I'm talking with so many people about my topic and somehow I feel it's also a very privileged time to have, I don't know, to be able to throw so many ideas at people, to have a lot of good discussions, to very straightforwardly point out things I've seen and I've noticed and uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful phase in the research where I start to see it that way, which uh, won't come back because, or will come back maybe, but it's yeah allowing for a lot of good conversations. And uh, by now I've come down to four topics in which I'm really interested and I'm still not sure if actually I will end up with one of these four topics, but I think it's very likely and I'll briefly sketch them for you. So uh, one of them is dating apps, which would be very close with uh, to what I've done in my thesis so not a lot of people have worked on dating apps in India and in India there is Tinder but there's also many 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 other dating apps like way more than in Switzerland and of course I'm wondering how do dating apps change relationships what is their influence on marriage and relationships how with what motivation do people use dating apps what do they expect from that uh, 
What about trust? Like meeting a stranger is still a big thing in India and these apps somehow make it possible and are certain apps just for hookups while other apps or maybe to find a relationship or maybe even to find a marriage partner behind parents' back. Uh, there is like a lot of different ways to look at it and it could be interesting and there's not a lot has been done on it. Personally, I don't find it so innovative, but uh, it's one topic which could be very doable. And I'm going to meet a few people who use dating apps uh, this and next week. And let's see how I feel about the topic then. Then the second topic, and I think I might not take it because it's not very concrete, but it's something which has been in my head for a longer time, is uh, the fact that somehow hobbies mean a very different thing in India than in Switzerland like in Switzerland in many ways and that's also what Indian friends say like you guys define yourself over your hobbies and in a way it's true it seems as all of us you know like the hobby shows where, who we are and it defines us in a way and uh, people who don't have a hobby somehow sometimes seem to me to be on a never-ending quest to find a hobby while in India when I ask people like what what is your hobby a lot of people would say Netflix and I'd be Okay. And that was like, just as my Indian friends noticed, like, wow, you people define yourself. Everyone has a hobby. You define yourself so much about it. For me, it was like when I came to India first, I was like, no one has any hobbies. People spend so much time just chilling and talking. But no, there are not a lot of people who actually have hobbies. Are certain hobbies and things which are encouraged by parents, but usually because they're important for school or they have some prestige. So kids should be doing this or it will be uh, later if people will make a career out of it, but like just a hobby for a hobby is usually, depending on the life stage, not exactly encouraged. And also a lot of my friends who had, for example, who did that acro yoga with me, it seemed to me as if they have to legitimate it again and again in front of their families, like why they spend every Sunday going to acro yoga and not spending it with the family. It has a lot to do with time, like how time is allocated, also how much time people have, because for example friends I have who work in corporates they leave the house by seven they get back at nine they also work on Saturdays so where would there be time for a hobby there wouldn't be any time and uh, yeah somehow there's something really different here I cannot exactly yeah put it in words yet but I'm interested in what it means for self-expression what it means for communication when you have to legitimize your hobby all the time like how hobbies change over a life what people do with their free times and how they allocate time. But somehow, yeah, it's not concrete enough. That's why it hasn't really developed in a topic. But I thought of talking a bit more with people who have hobbies and, yeah, look at it a bit better. Another thing is uh, actually a topic which came about when I talked to my mother because uh, she said, you know, in your podcast, all you're talking about is like these moments when like Indian and Western mindsets or morals or worldviews or things just collide and uh, you seem to be so interested in that and she's completely right of course why don't you do something on this and I really thought about it and she's right like this moments where these two worlds collide I love them I find them so interesting I find it interesting what's different how is this difference negotiated how is it perceived how the, what role does cultural competence play and there's so much in here somehow which I find interesting but somehow I don't want to make a comparison out of it you know West versus India and 
also after such a long histories of colonial intermingling or however one wants to call it, like uh, it's also not so clear anymore what is Indian, what is Western, but uh, I thought about, so in which context could I look at this? And one context which came to my mind was work, like because work morals and the way people work in India and Switzerland, for example, is very different. So looking at Swiss companies in India or something and see how different employees and how all of these different ways of perceiving work and working would come together, work cultures basically. But then again, I thought, do I really have I become an anthropologist to spend my fieldwork time in offices? Me, who never wanted to be in an office, somehow, ah, no, even if the topic seems interesting. Then I thought, on, oh, okay, what are other places? And I came up with thinking about rela intercultural relationships between uh, Westerners, like Europeans or Americans and uh, Indians. And uh, because I know a couple of couples <laughs> and uh, I ha was very lucky to talk to one uh, girl, which I know she's Canadian and she has been married, married and divorced to one Indian guy. And now she's married with another Indian guy very happily. And uh, so we, I met up with her and I talked a bit with her and it's, it made me feel that it's very interesting, like how these kind of biographies, which are like very global with lives lived in so many countries and how people meet and then so many moral questions when people take big decisions to move to another country for someone to take a leap of faith to just get married like there's so many so much yeah moral decision making somewhere in there and then once people actually are together somehow there are two biographies with two people who have seen their parents having relationships or everyone around them and have a certain idea how relationships work like how Maybe, for example, if you come from a more patriarchal background, you're used to your, you saw your mother doing everything for your father all your life, like bringing glasses of water, cleaning behind him, this and that. And maybe if you come from a very Western country and you, your mother has been part of the women's movement, you have seen a very different married life and somehow creating something new while both still bring in their own biographies and their own families and cultures and what they have seen seems very interesting to me. I mean, in every relationship, of course, also if it's not intercultural, two biographies come together and two family come together. But even even more in that scenario of an intercultural relationship and also in a lot of the stories, I felt like, wow, It's interesting how both families have to somehow morally adjust around the couple and sometimes say yes or do things which they would not exactly want to do or wouldn't understand or yeah, how they had to alter their moral views in many ways. And uh, somehow I see some potential because there could be real interesting work with biographies and uh, yeah, on cultural club, on these small differences and how people handle it like in the smallest unit basically but again I'm not sure if the topic is meaningful enough but what does meaningful mean I'm not sure but yeah somewhere I do find it interesting and talking to her was definitely very yeah made me feel like there would this would be a very rich ethnography although I'm not sure where it's gonna head in the end the last topic I'm interested in is basically The fact that I realized what really interests me at the end is uh, 
aspirations in life like uh, what do people aspire of life um what do they expect from life what do they wish what do they aspire to and how do new or different ideas of a good life enter yeah enter into people's minds how are they pursued like yeah how do aspirations change because somehow i feel like in india there's a very clear uh let me call it indian dream like a very clear road map of uh, how lives are supposed to unfold or what a good life means in the sense that you get into a good you're a good student you get into a good college and then you get a good job and then you have the money to buy a house and a car and then you marry and then you have kids and then these kids are starting to do the same <laughs> and and uh, it goes on and on and i'm not saying that this doesn't exist in switzerland of course it does but it's a bit more flexible like divide like diverging from that part path is a bit easier while in india it's still difficult but still i feel like more and more it's happening and i see people choosing different careers for example like building startups becoming entrepreneurs or different relationships uh, marrying people not the people their parents would have wanted them to marry and so on there's going abroad and whatever there's like a lot of this diverging happening and somehow yeah i would it would be i need to find a context where i can look at life aspirations because i'm just too interested in normal people what do people aspire maybe it's also different than what people in switzerland aspire And then part of me sometimes I feel like God I want to make do research with some social class I usually don't have a lot of access and just see what do rickshaw drivers aspire what do fa- factory workers aspire but then again uh, it, it's also so difficult like how to get access and why exactly this and so on but yeah another way I thought how to approach it or right I'm really looking for a context to look at these aspiration things which i think cover so much of the ethical dilemmas and things which i'm interested in was uh thinking about marriage again in the sense that since marriage is such an integral part of this indian dream thinking about uh divorcees or maybe single mothers who are divorced like uh people for whom the big indian dream or let's let's say at least the marriage part of it has not worked out because if the what everyone around you tells you is a good life has somehow starts crumbling for you for some reason this will automatically force you to aspire different things to aspire something new from life maybe to see life differently the purpose of life or whatever what to aspire to maybe to expect something different maybe to not have any expectations at all and then the question is why but uh here it would be interesting to look at people for whom I can be sure that very likely that turning point was somewhere there in their lives. And I mean divorces in India it would be anyway interesting because there are not so many. I mean they keep being more and more but that and the world views they have maybe also what do they give to their kids what kind of a view on life that could be a place to look at it but yeah I'm not completely sure yet. These are all just yeah ideas and sometimes not as concrete as i want to but i hope to get talking to more people and uh, finding out what i want to do and uh, then i want to share a small experience so sometimes i feel i'm still a very much a kid in india like 
I was meeting a friend and when I got out of the auto rickshaw, he, I got dropped like on the, the place where I needed to go was on the other side of a huge street with like four lanes and cars and rickshaws and motorbikes and everything was driving so fast and I was like it was impossible for me to cross like I was too scared and I tried a couple of times but I didn't manage at all so eventually I was like okay fuck that and I went to a cycle rickshaw guy who was nearby so a cycle rickshaw it looks a bit like a chariot it's like um, you have a cycle which is like put in front of and you sit a little bit higher and there's also a small roof so you don't get wet when there's rain and uh, yeah there's someone cycling you through the city and I asked him see I need to go to the other side of the street I'm too scared to cross how much money will you take and then we discussed the price and then he said yeah but we have to go all the way around we have to take a u-turn and that's what we did in the end I sat on top of that and I still feel weird being in these kind of chariots and someone like I don't know driving me around with the power of his muscles I still somewhere something inside of me feels weird but what I really liked was the way he handled the traffic so somehow it seemed to me like a skill like some kind of an art because uh, there was a flyover and we had to not a tunnel but like a small like a flyover and there were like was so much traffic and it was really hard to resolve because all the cars were so close to each other everyone was honking and shouting and cars and bikes and rickshaws and cycle rickshaws and like everything and he like completely calm like he managed his way around and even though like the whole cycle rickshaw thing is not it's huge it's not that easy to maneuver and he found his way so gracefully through the traffic like almost like hovering through it and it was like completely beautiful to look at I don't know, to look at his skills, like I, I was so impressed and I don't know, these are skills people develop over a whole life and it's, it was such a, somehow such a deli moment which I really liked. Then I decided that I want to talk more also about the not so beautiful side of I'm not sure if I can call it fieldwork already. I don't think so, but uh, of this whole undertaking. And uh, especially these days, like I really hate the cold weather and I have to force myself to take showers and get out of bed and get out of the house and get out of things. And I think that's also in many ways part of this whole fieldwork. You definitely of fieldwork, but in general, this experience that you have to control your emotions a lot by yourself, like comfort, you do a lot of self-comforting and uh, tell yourself you have to go now and do this now and like push yourself to do things and sometimes it's not so easy and there are moments when I'm like oh, waking up like, oh no, I don't want to go out or what am I doing today and also the fact that at the moment I'm only here for a few weeks, like not, I don't, I have a life here but not that much of a life like I used to have or I'm usually having when I'm here for many, many months. And uh, so everyone is like working or has a purpose. And I'm just a little bit like a ghost, like hovering in between. Uh, I don't know. Of course, meeting different people, meeting friends, talking about my topics, sitting in coffee shops and trying to figure out further what I want. Uh, I was visiting a few play interesting places for my research and uh, or for the podcast. But still, somehow... I don't know, your life, it's only half of a life. And sometimes for me, it's very difficult to exist in this kind of a thing because it's also not a holiday. It's something weird in between. And uh, 
yeah, I have to push myself sometimes a little bit and one feels a little bit lost, at least I do sometimes. But somehow also more and more I feel that the way to live maybe in any society, maybe in any city, but especially in Delhi somehow is uh, has to do with uh, fi- creating some small places or oases <laughs> uh, with warm people where you feel comfortable. I mean, in general, I feel like I travel from one island to the other. Like I always travel from place A, I, which I know well, to place B. And like uh, I'm not walking around a lot in between because it's always... I don't know, I think that's in many ways, that's how, I know, India works. And maybe I am not comfortable enough yet to just walk around. I do it, but rarely alone. So I always go from place A to place B, never being so much in between. And I don't know, I feel like a lot of people here have organized their lives in ways that they have created a few places where they feel home with a few friend circles or people. And then they move between these, yeah, small islands. And uh, I think the same is true for me. Like, I thought about it the other day when I was like uh, at some friend's place, and I always love to go there because it, I don't know, if you're away from home, there somehow a few places start to feel like home to you. And uh, their friends, these friends' place for sure is one of these places. And we were uh, sitting on their balcony, all of us under like a big cover because it was really cold. And uh, eating chocolates, smoking cigarettes and like we were looking at uh, all the huge apartment buildings in front of us which were not very special for them but for me they are because somehow it's so many houses, so many small apartments where so many people live, where there are so many lives you see in front of you and you, I start to feel small. Try to, when I'm really thinking how big these, this, this city is, like for someone who comes from a small place like me, it's, sometimes it hits you again. And I don't know, the way we were sitting there and thinking about life or, I don't know, it it made me feel like, yeah, you have your small bubbles and you need to find your small bubbles which will guarantee your happiness and then it doesn't really mind what kind of a chaos is happening in the in-between places or in, in your head, in my case. And uh, yeah, I thought the same thing again and again. I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but uh, when uh, the same friends, like we we attended something like some event and then they insisted on driving me home and we were in the car we were listening to some tango music and we felt like we're in another century and uh, we're driving and laughing and like this car was like our small little bubble like where we tang like i don't know we regain energy and yeah maybe a lot of people seem to have life organized that way and even i think i do to some extent Then I want to share uh, a small incident. I went with a friend to a market and uh, there are several restaurants and it's actually a little bit touristy. So I was definitely not the first foreigner to go there. And we went into a restaurant and uh, we ordered food and it was very funny for me because uh, there were people, like the waiters, they would come to our table every five minutes, check on us if we like the food, if everything is good. They would bring different oils and seasoning and this and that and my friend was like you know <laughs> they never do that for me this is like you getting the special treatment I was like oh god I feel so embarrassed and I really do feel embarrassed in these kind of moments I'm like ah oh, why are people making such a fuss around me and it's it ah but of course we were laughing a lot because sometimes it was so over exaggerated like for example they brought us spoons but they 
only touch the spoons with napkins like very uh, oh, completely overdoing it and then i feel usually very uncomfortable i don't like it when like my skin color creates such a fuss when people feel like they have to treat me differently and all of this it's uh, still difficult and uh But yeah, we laughed a lot. <laughs> and then uh, after that, we went in the same market. We went to look at a store with some makeup and uh, we looked at lipsticks and they they were super helpful. They like showed us all the lipsticks. They made all these, tried them out on our on the back of our hands. But then they would, the people in the store would then come and clean our hands, which was also weird for me. Like there it's again a very different concept of service, like For me, it was very, it was totally too much. And I felt like I want to clean my hand myself. <laughs> and uh, it's too much. Like, I just want to look and just, just let me be. But my friend said, you know, I was missing that so much in Switzerland. When people are like, I don't know, you have to find everything by yourself. And like, it's it's not the same kind of service. And it's very interesting. It really is another concept of service. And I thought that again, a few days later, when I was like in a rickshaw with a friend and uh The rickshaw driver didn't have change. Like we gave him a really small bank note. So he should have had change. And it was at the end of the day. And then my friend, an Indian friend, he was like, oh God, so incompetent. And when he said that, I had to laugh a lot. I was like, you know how for a very long time I haven't thought anymore in that is something competent or incompetent because somehow the whole service standard or service culture is very different in Switzerland. Like things being competent and efficient and this and that has a certain standard I think even in Swiss culture and it has a very different one in India or it means something very different and so somehow I try to not think in these trajectories of competent or not competent <laughs> in India and the fact that that Indian friend did that made me made me laugh quite a lot like and I thought what did you expect and it's Yeah, service and competence and professionalism, these things are taken very differently somehow in different countries. And I'm only starting to explore that, I feel. And the last thing I want to share is uh, the fact that we attended a certain event. So it was Lori this week, which is a, a kind of a harvest festival and uh, which is celebrated in many different states, has different names, but here in Delhi it's called Lori. Then I asked them, like, can you... You know, like, especially for you guys who are listening, like, could you explain Lori a bit, like, for me? Because I feel like it will be more interesting if they explain it. And uh, they agreed. And one of my friends is explaining it for you guys. And that sounds as follows. So Lori is, well, normally we celebrate Lori on 13th of January. Yeah. And we celebrate Lori as just to... It's basically the ending of the peak season of uh, winter. Mm -hmm. marks the end ending of peak winter season mm -hmm. and harvest of rabi crops as well. So like we collect uh, wood. We, uh, so one day before we collect wood, log of wood. It's very small, small. Like And then we fire and when we, then we do bonfire and we all sit around it and uh, uh, we bring uh, popcorns, ground nuts and we call ravery. It's a sugar ravery as well and a jaggery ravery. It's a sweet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, uh, we uh, what we do is we put all these things, I mean, not 
too much like just to uh, just as a tradition we we put little bit of popcorn ground nuts and ravi these kind of these things on that bonfire and then we sit around and chat and uh, like for example in i remember in my childhood so in my locality so uh, these dhol wala used to come the people who play a uh, drum and all and they come and then we we uh, they come and they you know they uh, they go to each houses and then we uh, we all dance a lot we family get together and then we all dance and we sing songs it's usually it's uh, it's see it's this basically this festival is celebrated in northern india at punjab uh, basically punjab right mm-hmm. and uh, we are punjabi as well right so basically there are punjabi songs and there's a very say, famous song it's song everybody relates lori with this song the song is like sundri mundri hoy tera kon vichara hoy dula batti wala hoy tule di tive aayi hoy sher shakkar paayi hoy sundri mundri hoy tera kon vichara hoy dula batti wala hoy and we went for a celebration in a cultural center which is called india habitat center and so we thought like yeah let's attend it and let's see it there but my friends were a bit disappointed they were like oh god it's so formal here all the chairs and like at home we celebrated you know we sit around the fire we sing uh, songs and we, like it's very it's a very cozy affair and here it's so formal and there was a stage with uh, the musicians and then it started to rain so they had to move everything inside so the musicians went into an auditorium so did we where it was even more formal and we were like sitting on our chairs and it felt like I'm at a classical concert but um, the music was amazing game was very beautiful and very touching and my friends kept explaining me the different songs and what they mean and we had a yeah we still had a lot of fun and a lot of fun and we were like missing the dancing because we really felt like dancing but we were sitting on our chairs so we danced as much as you can dance on a chair and just had fun <laughs> लोड़ी मनाई है तो पौड़ी सुहाग गाया जाता है 